This is the Saxo Market Call, daily insights on what is moving the financial markets. Hello and welcome to the Saxo Market Call. It's Thursday, 19th of January, 2023, and a really pivotal day yesterday. We've talked so much about this equity market in the U.S. Uh, heading up into key uh, levels, uh, 4,000 plus area in the S&P 500. We've also had uh, U.S. long treasury yields, the 10-year, for example, uh, hitting close to the lows recently. And yesterday we blasted below those lows in yields, and yet we see a market function uh, or a, a cross-market uh, correlation that is quite different from what we've seen of late in that those lower yields, which were triggered in part by uh, the Bank of Japan, but especially by U.S. Uh, data yesterday, which was weak, not seeing a celebration in terms of risk sentiments. So we've talked about a lot of this liquidity of foot that has driven some of the U.S. Uh, equity market upside, but uh, when it's a very in interesting shift to see bad data seen as bad news. Uh, so I take that as a, a very strong uh, signal for now until proven otherwise. And again, because we saw this reversal in sentiment and we saw this sell-off in yesterday in the equity market in the U.S. at such pivotal levels, it's uh, I think it maybe uh, doubles up a bit on the significance. You can see the a chart there on slide two, uh, and we see the various uh, equity theme baskets, those bubble stocks that were doing so well, had a rather poor session uh, on the day, but uh, the performance was not particularly uh, differentiated across the space. It's just interesting that some of the uh, the uh, equity themes that uh, were on the upside did not do particularly uh, well there. Then normally there's a little bit more spread in terms of the performance. Uh, but Ola, we need to head over to your space. I don't want to run through everything just right away on, on what happened here, but we got a weak uh, retail sales data point out of the U.S. That was the sort of the weakest and most interesting data point. Minus 1.1% of the headline. The core was also weak, and both of those uh, also worse than expected, and both of those were also revised for the November data, so it's worse on top of uh, even worse than expected November. And we have to remember that U.S. retail sales are reported on a nominal basis, sort of doubling up on the significance uh, of this, because if you have 6 to 7% inflation and yet your nominal retail sales are falling, it's quite an interesting development. But we have a number of things afoot here. I'll get to FX in a moment. Or in your space, gold I thought was quite interesting in the resounding quiet in that market, I would have expected a bit more volatility because of what we're seeing elsewhere. But I think it's quite interesting to see gold uh, holding firm. Yeah, and, and yesterday was uh, was really a day where the market was a little bit uh, confused about what to focus on because uh, we had the initial dollar uh, weakness uh, that uh, then there was a turn to strength. And that uh, weakness helped drive gold back above uh, 1920 once again. But as the day came to a close, we ended down for a third day in a row. So it does just indicate the market has become a bit more two-way. But so far again today, we're seeing a bit coming back in into the market. And I think part of that is, is driven by the, the drop that we've seen in, in the bond yields. We're seeing uh, the 10-year down to uh, what was the low since... Um, since last uh, June, wasn't it? Something like that. Uh, so now September, it's a four months low. So uh, that that's uh, underpinning the price. And uh, I stopped across quite an interesting uh, one. It's it's obviously not rocket scientists, but uh, it, it's I mean it's it it's it's something that we most certainly need to be aware of. On slide five, just highlighting the impact of gold once we hit peak uh, Fed fund rates uh, during the past twenty years. And as you can see, the the months. That followed a peak in uh, in Fed funds rate, basically drove a significant strong rally. I haven't really checked what the what the equivalent rallies were in the stock market. I'm sure they were pretty solid as well. But uh, just highlighting the the potential uh, 
additional driver for gold once we hit that uh, plateau and, and, and the weak number like we had yesterday potentially has brought that uh, peak closer even though there were some uh, hawkish comments from from uh, from one of the uh, the Fed members, so um, just to to highlight that the last move, the last peak we had in in rates back in nineteen led to a sixty one percent rally in gold, and and if that was to be repeated this time round, our greatest prediction for two thousand twenty three with gold hitting three thousand basically would uh, would come true. So um, it's worth most certainly worth to keep an eye on as a potential driver for gold. But in the short term, as I said, uh, the, the market needs, uh, it's not firing in all cylinders. We've still got ETF holdings near a two-year low. So so the institutional investors, they're still firmly believing that Fed will be success- successful in bringing inflation under control. And that's uh, with that in mind that they don't see any particular need for, for gold at this point. But th- that obviously can change. Yeah, well, you, you mentioned the a, a hawkish Fed member. It's the well-known hawk, Bullard. He's not even a voter this year. And I, it's one of those classic cases where you have the market trying to uh, find attribution for why it's selling off and then pointing to Bullard at a time when actually the entire U.S. yield curve was dropping aggressively. So the, obviously the, the bond market thoroughly, thoroughly ignoring Bullard's talk of needing to maintain a 50 basis point uh, pace of hikes and, and where he wants to put that dot plot for or his dot for the dot plot for the end of this year. Because again, we saw the U.S. two year uh, to new lows close to getting close to 4%. And the tenure, as you noted, uh, at that new low for the cycle, I have a chart there on uh, for and for some per- perspective on the U.S. yield curve. I'm going a bit out of order on our slides, but on slide four there, so you see that 3.4 percent level violated yesterday in the tenure, dipped a little bit below that. And I think quite interestingly, as you look at the Fed this year, the market really reluctant to, to not price those 225 basis point additional hikes. So even though we have this negative news, even though the two year, for example, came down quite a bit. It's still pretty firm on the two times 25 basis point hikes for this year, where you're seeing the pricing moving and the shift moving forward with Fed expectations is still a little bit further out the curve there. And I have on the right there that series that I've shown before of the euro dollar short term interest rate futures, where you can see the the sort of a coloration is, is as you go from time. So the, the bright blue number is the or sorry, the bright blue line is the um, uh, June of this year uh, contract that's around peak Fed. And, uh, and so on into the gray and the light gray being the furthest forward into the future. And you see the furthest forward into the future is, is getting to new lows. So the Fed expected to go into a major uh, rate cutting cycle uh, starting sometime later this year. But it's interesting the market is holding on to that uh, uh, the two times 25s for this year still. We'd, we'd have to see, I guess, uh, something more significant, maybe in the labor market data together with a few more months of, of very rapidly falling inflation to get the that view, uh, particularly a view unseated. Maybe a chance today, I don't know, but I, I doubt it, but potential for uh, the chief dove and most important dove on the on the uh, among voters in the Fed, Vice Chair Brainerd, who is out uh, speaking today. But let's rewind a bit. It was quite an interesting day in FX, to say the least. Uh, on slide three, look, looking through the different uh, levels of strength, it's a little bit hard to, you know, these are trend levels and trend measurements there. But so, yeah, as you noted, dollar coming back in stronger. And then overnight, the yen came roaring back stronger. That uh, reversal, I think, catching many off guard. As I indicated yesterday, I didn't feel, despite the Bank of Japan's uh, sort of, uh, you know, keeping digging in its heels and not wanting to move and, and admit that it's going to tweak policy, etc., the, uh, the backdrop was yen positive and became even more yen positive yesterday with that further drop in yields. Again, that crushes those spreads with Japanese debt and as well, the Japanese yen traditionally at least thriving on weak risk sentiment. So that double whammy of support for the yen and then the disorientation around having just come off of what was supposed to be a yen weakening event 
uh, and that those positions getting erased. So tremendous moves in some of the in crosses. Once again, I put up the Aussie in chart just to show you the scale of what happened. So we saw it rallying almost all the way to 92 from the low 88, sort of uh, low 88 area. Racing that yesterday and following through lower still overnight. Suddenly, we're going to be threatening, threatening support here again uh, and not helping out. Of course, overnight, we had an Australian labor market report that was uh, on the weak side. So the Aussie getting the worst of it, uh, perhaps among the G10 versus the um, versus the Japanese yen. Uh, dollar yen hitting uh, below 128 this morning. It's bounced back a little bit. So both the strong dollar and strong yen, which I think is a set setup that can persist despite lower yields if that key sort of risk sentiment, fear of recession uh, narrative is in focus here, and as long as it is. One small note, uh, the New Zealand dollar, not a huge move, but it was stronger versus a weak Aussie overnight. But we have the New Zealand prime minister resigning. Uh, she will leave uh, the stage before February 7th. She says she does not want to stand as the labor market candidate for uh, for that election versus the opposition national uh, party, which is uh, slightly leading labor in the polls. All right, let's uh, move forward again and get back into the commodities uh, order. So we have a little bit of a classic, uh, you know, solid, normal cross-market correlations as we saw the sort of pro-cyclical stuff, also sort of paying attention to what's happening elsewhere with this U.S. data and the reaction across markets. A little bit of a haircut for copper and its rally, and I guess likewise uh, for crude oil. Yeah, exactly, John, because the, there's no doubt that the intention attention at the start of this year so far has been the reopening of China, and uh, and rightfully so from a commodity perspective, because it could have a significant impact in terms of increased demand as we move deeper into 23. And I've just shown that here on, on slide six with a, with a chart borrowed from Morgan Stanley, just uh, showing the China's share of global demand for, for key commodities. And, uh, and you can see some of those China centric commodities have also been those that has been uh, has, has jumped out the gates uh, the fastest and the strongest uh, at the beginning of this year so uh, the exception obviously at the bottom being LNG due to the weather uh, mild weather which we're seeing in Europe as well but uh, iron ore is uh, is uh, one of the strongest performers since the early starts of November and that's obviously the one that's mostly dependent on demand from from China given its uh, massive steel production but in the short term uh, we may uh, just see some uh, see some consolidation now. We we had quite a uh, quite a nasty uh, candle on the on the chart yesterday on slide seven. Uh, I think it's called an evening doji. John, you're more uh, adverse into this than I am, but uh, it, it potentially signals a a short term peak in the market with a with the risk of a reversal down to test the 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 breakout area in the in that four dollar four dollar per pound area. So that's probably one we should just keep an eye on. Not only due to the weak data we had from the U.S. But also simply from the fact that China's New Year is starting now, um, and it's it means that we'll we'll get uh, China will go very quiet now for the next uh, few weeks, and uh, that potentially also just signaling uh, the the time to just to take stock after this very strong run up we had at the at the beginning of the year. And I think the same thing goes for for crude oil, where we had a, also a strong rally based on on the expectations for a pickup in in China. But yesterday the technical outlook uh, reversed somewhat. We had a break above eighty one fifty in crude in WTI and. 87 in Brent's triggering some algorithmic uh, technical buy buy signals uh, they were then forced to get out later in the day when the weak numbers from the US forced their uh, forced a reversal in the price also the American Petroleum Institute recorded another bumper increase in crude oil stocks uh, for last week we'll see the uh, EIA report later today 
some of that's probably still a hangover from the uh, frost we had at the uh, the end of December. But uh, but uh, if if it is at this magnitude, potentially could have a bigger negative impact than uh, than the one we had last week. So uh, just keep an eye on the technical outlook, just at least in the short term, potentially just deteriorating a little bit. All right. And then on the earnings front, I need to uh, do a mea culpa. On yesterday, I talked about EQT, the big natural gas producer in the U.S. They did not report yesterday. Uh, their reporting date is uh, not until, I believe, it's February 23rd. So apologies for that. Sometimes we get these automated lists that we go and highlight, and then sometimes the earnings dates shift uh, from those automated list levels. But um, what we do have today, and at least I double-checked it, uh, and it's still on the calendar for today, is Procter & Gamble, the massive U.S. consumer products giant, $350 billion market cap company. It's done quite well from that sort of value angle that has supported uh, companies of that type uh, or traditional value. Uh, let's not get Peter Garnery started when he's back on how the, what the market considers a value, uh, but that be that as may. It reports today and Netflix also reporting, and I show a Netflix chart there on slide nine, 100% rally from the lows uh, of earlier this year, but uh, still down more than 50% from its all-time peak in 2021. Uh, will they report growing subscribers and as they're rolling out their advertising on their platform? Quite interesting there. Uh, also in the news among major U.S. corporates, uh, Microsoft, which reports next week with that really busy calendar of mega cap names reporting, announcing a layoff of 10,000 employees. That's a, a tough blow in the jobs market. These are probably quite good paying positions, even if it's not uh, top level stuff. And uh, uh, that's interesting. It's uh, just under 5% of its global workforce. And I think it really speaks to the sort of bullwhip effect, as we've called it, from the pandemic. We had all the stimulus spending and we had all this uh, rush to digitization and online people working from home and the capacity and, and technical infrastructure needed around that. So uh, and if I looked at uh, Microsoft's employee levels in recent years, and you could just see that effect coming in so strongly. So back in 2019, they only had 144,000 employees. That was growing at rates of you know between five and and ten percent in the prior years. Uh, twenty twenty, it stepped up to one sixty three in twenty twenty one to one eighty one k, and then for some reason last year a big blowout growth to twenty uh, two hundred and twenty thousand employees. So this is simply a, a a relatively small reduction relative to the scale of growth. Still, it's a directional indicator that's quite interesting and uh, not good news for the U.S. labor market. Moving forward to the uh, macro calendar, Norway, uh, the central bank decision today, 50-50-ish on whether they hike another 25 basis points to take the policy rate to 3%. Uh, likely, if they don't hike this time, they'll hike at the March meeting. The big dovish surprise would be an indication that we're not sure we're going to hike again because we think uh, the inflationary threats are coming to a close. I'm not calling that, but uh, that would be the dovish uh, surprise scenario relative to what they've sort of already flagged that they're getting there in terms of the end of the cycle uh, anyway. Uh, interesting housing data out of the U.S. Housing starts and building permits up later, as well as the Philadelphia Fed. Maybe an interest in whether that matches that horrific uh, empire number from earlier this week for January. And uh, we have the uh, vice chair Brainerd, as indicated, out speaking later on the economic outlook. She's considered the chief dove. Uh, among the Fed voters. Uh, yesterday, interestingly, the Fed beige book not sort of corroborating the weakness that was seen in some of the U.S. data. It was seemed quite uh, calm and steady in terms of uh, what they're seeing from their interviews with participants in the economy. And then we have the Japanese uh, national CPI number, maybe interesting uh, here as well with after this Bank of Japan meeting, and then, of course, with all this yen uh, volatility. So, 
That's what we have on the calendar for today. Again, a very interesting reversal in markets at such key levels. If we look at the S&P and where the technical situation was, we sort of crossed beyond some key technical levels in the U.S. 10-year, etc. So uh, I think it sets the tone and it sets a bit of energy into the market with uh, the currency volatility in the mix as well. So be careful out there and we'll see where things stand tomorrow with the next Saxo Market Call. Thanks for listening. This has been the Saxo Market Call. For feedback and questions, reach out to us on Twitter at Saxo Market Call or by email, marketcall at saxobank.com.